Hello, and welcome to Punching Out. Every week, we're here on Wayo Radio talking about the problems people have with their work, whether it's incompetent bosses or unfair policies, hostile workplaces or dismal paychecks, or anything in between. We want to hear from you. If you'd like to share your work problems with us, email us at punchingoutwayo at gmail.com and let us talk about them. Tune in and punch out. Your boss isn't listening, but we are. Hello and welcome to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined today by Noah. Hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. We're coming up on the end of the year, which, as Punching Out listeners surely know by now, can only mean one thing. It is time, once again, for our Genius Awards, a celebration of the best and the brightest of 2021. You know, the people over the last year who really stood out in terms of making work worse uh, through one innovation or another. Um, this year, we're going to be splitting the Genius Awards across two episodes this week and then next week. Um, Noah, maybe you can give the listener some insight into how we've broken up these two episodes. Uh, th- this was sort of your uh, brainchild as far as the breakdown. You you might say it was it was my stroke of genius. Mm-hmm. So Terrible. this year, for the first time, and let me just say I am so excited that we've been able to expand the Genius Awards into a two episode event. Now we've always had those prime time performers that you want to reward. You know your your equivalents of your your Daniel Stay Lewis's of the Genius Front. And for those, and and we wanted to give them their due. We wanted to make sure that uh, those um, bosses of whatever stripe they be would get the full attention of the punching out listenership. So as a result, what we've decided to do, much like every other awards show, is stick all of the technical awards that are smaller and nobody cares about into a separate episode. Now, of course, we on the show, we do care very much about recognizing good work and we do think that those things are important but um we are also going to shamelessly steal that structure and use it to our advantage so that we can spend two episodes dunking on a lot of people who deserve it for making life worse for the working class in this country you might think of this week's show as an appetizer for the main course next week and to lead off this uh two-course meal, I guess. I don't know. The metaphor is getting stretched here in ways I don't care for. Um, Might say it ate you up. Yeah. We've got a tech startup that ostensibly is doing something that we should be celebrating unironically, right? This is a company called Unit, which is promising to um, do for unionization, I guess, what Uber did for getting a taxi it's um there's an app for that now cursed phrase right off the bat yes the 2021 genius award for what what did we decide this was labor relations yes for labor relations the 2021 genius award for labor relations goes to unit unionizing um this is an app in which you as a worker invite fellow workers in your workplace to um, 
join this app, download it, and, and become members and so on. And then apparently once enough people at a workplace become members, then unit, apparently absolute unit must have been copyrighted already. Uh, they they um, send a full-time labor advisor. They assign you a full-time labor advisor who will then help you uh, unionize. And if you win your first contract, that is key. You you have to win a contract. But once you do, unit software will run you 0.8% of, I believe, wages earned. Let me make sure I have that right. But yeah, that's that's what they're doing. Yep, cost 0.8% of your monthly earnings. Now, they do note your union can stop using unit software anytime you want at no cost. And they can vote to raise dues above this cost for your own projects, such as a local campaign or social events. So there you go, unit. Unlike a lot of um, the people we're going to be talking about over this week and next, these folks don't seem especially heinous or nefarious. You know, I we were talking before the show. I believe that their heart is in the right place. There is something to be said for trying to make unionization easier. It's we talk about on this show regularly. It's just hmm, the mechanism they've chosen for doing that um, inherently fills us with suspicion. Right. Uh, and anytime you're building out an app to solve a problem, the other people building apps to solve problems are generally uh, not great. So you're lumping yourself in with that crowd. Yeah. Like Ryan, you said, uh, you think their hearts in the right place. I see it as an absolute grift from beginning to end. Uh, Cause you can't live in the same realm as Uber or uh, Airbnb and not be contaminated in the same way. And you aren't really solving a problem. Like there are, Yes, there are barriers to uh, unionizing, but honestly, an app, something else that you have to put on your phone that, let's be honest too, not everybody has access to smartphones, even now. Uh, like this is, a this is I don't trust it, even a little bit. The uh, classic uh, union busting line is that uh, unions are a third party getting in between labor and management. And here... Uh, we actually have a third party in this uh, case. I mean, somebody like this is being framed as a startup and, you know, presumably it is not operating on a nonprofit model. It, you know, it's I, I have some data on that. I'm glad okay. you I'm glad you said that. Oh, Number no. one, I want to point out that Jamie Earl White, who founded unit, says that he does not see his startup acting as a disruptor to traditional unions, which he thinks cater to larger workplaces. He also mentions in the course of this uh, interview here that he had been expecting to mostly, by the way, this is from an article in Insider by Ayn Kane uh, from March 18th. So actually, this is earlier than I'd heard of it. But anyway, he says that he had been expecting to mostly attract white-collar tech workers who were, quote, already on Slack all day, and instead some of Unit's fastest-moving workplaces are blue-collar, including retail workers. And Lou, Ryan, I want to prepare you because you're about to get it with a truth bomb from this Uh-oh. guy right here. All right. He says, and I quote, there are a bunch of exploitive workers in the retail space. When he's right, he's right. Yeah. 
so here's here's the key line. This is the real this is a real shot here. White hopes to transform Unit into a worker-owned company down the road. The mm-hmm. most important comma in this entire article follows. <laughs> Although currently it's a benefit co- corporation funded by venture capital. White did oh. not disclose how much unit has raised so far oh, or no. which venture capitalist firm is backing the company, saying that the startup will release this information later this week. And he in, and he makes a point to say that the VC backers are, I quote, on board with their mission. Their mission is red jacketing. <laughs> yeah, okay, so I was right. It's a complete grip. Okay, okay, I, I was wrong. These people are heinous. I don't like them. Uh, I, I am reminded now that just in this past week, we have had a, another sort of um, galaxy-brained end-around of the labor process in which... Um, a consulting firm apparently had bribed an NORB official to um, just give out uh, labor board secrets so that this consulting firm could then uh, sell that information to companies who wanted to be in the know on the labor landscape, which, um, you know, if you cut through the linguistic red tape if we will just means that the company is going to help them avoid unionization um yeah that that, that's a genius award that that's definitely a genius award for i think that one's economics right there i I was gonna say a genius award in crime but uh all of these are crimes ryan we know this every single one of these companies is doing labor crimes that's why they're here the the company that was eventually revealed to be the one doing the bribing. Uh, I went to their website. It is the most like 1998 website in the universe. Now, now this is that's a company they that's need... based in like New Haven, Connecticut, right? Uh, it's based out of a house. In you, if if it's the one that I saw, it's based out of someone's house in New Haven, Connecticut. So it it's. They're spending all of that money that they could use to get an actual office and a better website. They're spending all that money on bribery. I mean, that's good. work is still around. They could get an office there. Oh, that's a good point. Anyway, yes. So that's our that a very strong candidate for our first genius award. I mean, they they really saw a a niche that was not being exploited. I mean, nobody had thought yet, what if Uber, but for unions? Mm. And also with the slight possibility of selling a massive data set to corporations down the road. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of innovation that uh, will keep hopefully this show going long into the future. You know, it, it would get stale if we weren't seeing this level of creativity from the investor class, the venture capital class, the ownership class of the world. Truly, they are the gift that keeps on giving. So where do we move on to from that? After that strong first entry into this year's Genius Awards, who is our next genius? The 2021 Genius Award in Linguistics goes to Polyworking. Um, now, it's hard to award something to a word, but I, I, I think the real winners here are... The people, and apparently it's multiple people now, who have um, come up with this term to describe 
what might more popularly be known as working two jobs to make ends meet or working three jobs to make ends meet. So, um, so what you're saying is they were poly writing, they, poly creating. I'm, they may have been sharing a brain or at, at least a hive mind. Uh, again, genius. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they're all they're all part of that collective there. Poly thinking, poly thinking. There we go. I like that. This term has come up now in a, a few recent articles that um, are describing poly working as you know all the rage among millennials. It's what millennials wants. It's um, the thing that millennials can't get enough of. We love working multiple jobs to make ends meet, don't we? Our lunches are coffee. We eat hustle for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. We don't sleep. It's great. We're having so much fun. Oh, I love it. You, we might think of this as a linguistic extension of the already existing gig economy, which fractured a lot of people's working lives from one stable job that they could depend on to pay the bills to a number of gigs and side hustles on which they would have to rely to uh, cobble together enough money to pay the bills, but now without you know benefits or stability. So the framing here of this as something glamorous, even as luxurious in a way as um, hip is, you know, once again, uh, heinous and evil and bad. It's not good, but, um, you know, someone has to write these articles and um, someone has to get a genius award for them. And they will always be able to find people to write these articles because... Forbes isn't going to run out of money. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately for all of us. So to be clear, by the way, apparently some of these articles specifically define polyworking um, as taking advantage of the fact that you work from home so that you can work two jobs. But that can't possibly be true because every article that's covered that trend of people taking advantage of working remotely so that they can take on another job or have another side hustle. Side note, absolutely despise the phrase side hustle. But um, every article that talks about that has talked about how much companies hate it and how much they don't want people to do it because obviously your attention should be fully devoted to your employer who is the who is your God and your government and everything to you. So you should love them and care for them and worship them. And you should give them your full undivided attention every minute of every day. So companies don't like this. Um, so I, I really do think that cannot possibly be it. It's got to be an attempt to cover or hedge the fact that they really did just try to glamorize working multiple jobs. It's not that you they're know, trying to glamorize working multiple jobs. It's sort of trying to cover up the fact that one job is no longer enough, you know, mm-hmm. because they don't need to sell you on multiple jobs. They need to sell you on, you know, accepting uh, the, the lack of stability that was once expected from having a job in the first place. Yeah. You're, you're supposed to be proud of treading water basically some some examples of uh, headlines in this uh, trend um polyworking the new job trend graduates are gunning for 
not great. And then there's this one in The Guardian more recently, just this past week. Uh, Polyworking and zombies. Welcome to the new home office jargon. That's the one I was talking about when I said that about polyworking. Hmm. I don't like any of that. It's yeah, no. it's not good. It's pretty gross. I don't. I don't like new jargon. If if we could just uh, keep the jargon we have, that would be fine by me. If it was if it was good enough for our, our forefathers, it should be good enough for us. <laughs> Are we getting old? It, I mean, I think in this case it's fine. Uh, I I think I, I I don't know if I've talked about this before, but like, I, I think I have. And my job, a number of the people that I'm closest to and I'm able to talk about labor problems with, are the boomers, and it's because they remember when working one job wasn't you know the exception, rather than the norm, and it's because they remember when working the job that we're working was better. And you were treated better and your bosses were better people and various other things. And so there's, you know, generations are fake and all that. And, and generational warfare is ginned up on purpose uh, to avoid us, you know, uniting along class lines and all that. But there are times when you look at new jargon and you say, this is, this is being created to justify something. This is being created so that people feel... So that that people feel like, you know, world destroying colossi for doing this rather than what it is, which is, you know, scrambling for cash. Like you're a teacher at a hockey game. You can just picture the executives at the consent manufacturing factory just uh, thrilled with their new product coming off the assembly line, uh, probably working. Uh, yeah. They had R&D. They had linguistics R&D working on that for months, I bet you. Yeah. Well, that concludes uh, this segment of the show, but we'll be back with uh, more new categories, more new geniuses to celebrate. Um, Stay with us. We'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out on WAYOLP Rochester. If you'd like to continue slacking off, you can find all of our past episodes on iTunes and SoundCloud. Remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are. Welcome back to the 2021 Punching Out Genius Awards. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Still hi, y'all. And Lou. Hey, guys. We're going to move on now to the fast-paced world of innovation and technology. Um, This has always been a field that produces some, some of our favorite geniuses, if we're being honest. This is a field that, frankly, without you know, the tech field without Silicon Valley, I'm not sure the Genius Awards would exist. Um, There's just so much coming out of this field. Um, And this year, no different. We have um, just some really inspiring stories, like the story of a company called Ubiome, which is our Genius Award winner for public health. Um, Its founders, Zachary Schultz Apta and Jessica Sunshine Richmond are accused of bilking their investors and health insurance providers, federal prosecutor said. Uh, The company that they were using as a vehicle with which to bilk investors and health insurance providers was uh, described as um, a poop testing startup once compared to Theranos, which also uh, did not end well. 
yeah, if you're being compared to Theranos, that's not mm. going to go well for you. I just want to point out, by the way, I just found out in this article by uh, this is from uh, SF Gate, Katie Dowd, again in March. Uh, apparently, it was originally direct to consumer service named, and I'm not kidding, Gut Explorer. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. Why'd they change it? You know, what was wrong with that? All <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair, I made that you break them, you, uh, you, uh, you buy them, you break them joke, but Gut Explorer blows anything we're going to yeah. say about this name out of the water. It's over. We like, lost. I'm sorry. I think it's fraud if there's not like a mini submarine that like magic school butts is up your butt to to do this and and i think that's probably why they got fingered for this frankly uh funny you use that expression because by the way the very next sentence in the article the company grew to include clinical tests of gut and vaginal microbiomes which were aimed to be used by medical providers so ubiome could seek up to three thousand dollars in reimbursements from health insurance companies uh apparently they sought upwards of 300 million dollars in reimbursement claims from private and public health insurers between 2015 and 2019, they were ultimately paid more than $35 million for tests that were not validated and not medically necessary. Because when you go to somebody named Gut Explorer for your medical testing, that's trustworthy. You know they're going to treat you right. I, I can't. I, I just keep seeing those words paired together in this article, and I, I keep reading them as Gut Exploder, which is <laughs> worse. But, you know. Funnier. I think if you have one of those, that's when you end up using Ubiome. <laughs> Might be tough to get um, the sample together, but yeah. What problems were they trying to solve with these fecal samples? Uh, I mean, obviously there are diseases that can be detected through this sort of thing. Um, don't mean to belittle that, but were they specifically targeting one uh, problem? No, because it's not clear from this article, like what they were trying to solve, except to like build a database of people's fecal matter. Which I mean, who doesn't want in on that? Someone has to. Uh, I mean, isn't that what Theranos did, though, is they they just wanted to have some kind of blanket thing that could do anything for anyone at any time. Uh, So so it's not really that there was a specific problem that wanted to be addressed. They just wanted to get a lot of money by being the only thing that people knew how to use so in and i can't believe i'm saying this to be fair to theranos they they, even though the company was founded on thin air obviously um there the the theory was supposed to be the completely asinine theory was that by um analyzing uh essentially that they were trying to detect early markers for diseases that do often show up first in blood samples. So certain types of cancer and so on, I guess. Uh, It can have microscopic markers in blood. Well, I guess they're all microscopic markers, but they can have kind of initial markers in blood samples that are often not detected because you don't go to the doctor to get your blood work done that often. So the idea was supposed to be that, you know, by getting your blood work done more often, you would be able to detect these things. Obviously, there was no way that was going to work because that's just not how, you know, the physics of that situation operate. But it made, 
if it really could be done, then that would be a worthwhile pursuit to create a machine that could do that. It's just that it can't be. And Elizabeth Holmes is just preternaturally good at bilking like old men out of their money, old powerful men out of their money. Henry Kissinger, famously on the board of Theranos, among a, a number of other. And that reminds me, speaking of famous people shouting out companies that analyze stuff, Lou, uh, who do you think gave these people an award for analyzing poop? It, I'll give you a clue. It's someone you really hate. Uh, that list is long at this point, Noah. True. Who is it? In 2018, Richmond... Jessica Sunshine Richmond was even named an innovator winner. So another genius award. Chalk it up. In Goop's The Greater Goop uh, Awards. Again, Theranos like and Goop. When you're got when you're in that Venn diagram, you have nailed it. That is real genius. No more who, iconic yeah. duo than poop and goop. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh my god also no the greater group like come on incredible incredible that's, th- that should win a genius award that's a minor genius award for linguistics right there oh. it would have been if we'd been paying attention in 2018 i i don't feel like there's anything more we could say about that we can't top that i i think there is something to be said for the fact that you know this company was doing things like winning the greater goop award it was uh like being recognized as an up and coming startup, you know, as something that uh, could, you know, be uh, a problem solver and a difference maker, you know, despite the fact that none of its testing technology was medically sound. Um, You know, there a lot of investment uh, clearly went to this company without um, verifying that it even did the thing it claimed to do well, which is, yeah, obviously a metaphor for most of the problems going on currently. Not all of them, but a lot of them. Yeah, they, 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 there's nothing funnier than the actual story here. Like the joke came pre-built. We can't top what happened here. We can only hope to try with this next genius award, which uh, comes from the Department of, well, not the Department of Transportation, but the category of transportation. Uh, we're, we're talking about a product designed by Ford, apparently, which is designed to help truck drivers stay awake. It's a uh, special trucker hat that uh, has special sensors to detect when drivers are dozing off and uh, will like uh, alert the driver with uh, vibrations and flashing sounds and lights. I have an article here from boingboing.net. God, that's a ridiculous site name to say out loud. Uh, called Ford introduces an obnoxious new trucker hat to help truckers stay awake. Let's be clear. If you're not a trucker, the trucker hat is by default obnoxious. Um, This article is by Tom Dunn, and it says, Ford Brazil's heavy truck division created the safe cap, which looks like any other hat. However, it's loaded with sensors and hardware to combat drowsy driving after identifying behavior that signaled drowsiness. Ford programmed its hat to pick up on those cues using an accelerometer and gyroscope. In the event the driver is drowsy, the cap will emit three different types of signals. The hat can vibrate, make sounds, and flashlights to alert the driver when it's time to pull over, stand up, and take a little break. 
And I cannot wait to hear what friend of the show, Neil Gorsuch, has to say about this because we all know he has very strong opinions on when truckers are allowed to leave the vehicle. There's, um, you know, obviously, just uh, drowsy driving is a problem and it's particularly one among truckers, you know. And to the extent that this will prevent accidents, it might. That's good. But it feels a bit like missing the cause and uh, just aiming at symptoms, which um, because the bigger problem is that truck drivers aren't getting enough sleep because they're driving too many hours because their bosses, you know, need them to drive that many hours and are trying to squeeze the life out of them. Um, So trying to make it safer for truck drivers to drive 70 hours in a week is only propping up a really bad system and it's not good. It's not something we celebrated except ironically with a 2021 genius award. Yes. The, it, it's classic treating the symptom and uh, just letting the disease faster. It's a bit like if you had a product that just turned out uh, inspirational stories of children raising money to pay for their parents' healthcare, uh, you know, you know, all well and good that the children did this, but let's back up a couple steps. There's something not being addressed here. There is, there is like, and I mean, this was developed by a division of Brazil, so it's a little bit different, but there is like an allergy in not just, and the thing is like, it's, people want to blame the media for this, and certainly they are not blameless, obviously not. But there is an allergy among Americans to talk about the actual problems at the root of anything. You talk to people, we saw it with the no one wants to work signs. We saw it with the supply chain issues. People, for understandable reasons, they want their days to go on as normal. And they don't really want to deal with why that's not the case. And so if you tell them, you know, truckers aren't doing this, their uh, truckers aren't able to sleep, their first thought is going to be like, well, okay, just, you know, give them caps that tell them when to take a break. And it's like, well, there's a reason they can't take a break and and there's reasons that they don't sleep enough. And putting the hat on is not really going to help with that. And that that's where you kind of like start throwing, you, you blow too many people's minds with that, is what I'm saying. That shouldn't be something that makes people reconsider their whole worldview. But it often is. And that that has always been wild to me. Yeah. The uh, boingboing.net article you cited ends with the the question, uh, maybe there's a better solution to driver fatigue than just shocking people back to consciousness, which is a very good question to ask. Um, There's a CNET article about this uh, hat that, asks no such questions. It just presents the hat at face value. It says, uh, it could make the roads a bit safer, so here's hoping someone follows through with it. Just not examining the underlying issues at all in this uh, story, which it's it's funny to see the two presentations of this story juxtaposed in that way. So once again, congratulations to Ford on your Genius Award. you weren't here to accept the award in person, but it will be mailed to you. Yes. Um, we hope Truck to enjoy. to you, perhaps. Yeah. 
Ford Ford really and a very early producer of Geniuses. I mean Henry Ford just you know in in the original punching out of the 1930s that was done via telegraph <laughs> racked up just genius award after genius award. Really sort of the the Babe Ruth of yes, geniuses. That's what know, I was going to say. Yeah, he's playing during a very different era. You know, a lot of uh, not as crowded a field. Mm-hmm. You know, some yeah. asterisks by you know we don't know if he could have competed with modern geniuses, but yeah, he did they, set they the bar of, by which everybody else could be measured. And and really, even if you give him that, I mean, they they almost like built the field he was playing on to his specifications. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, what's our next category here? I would say let's go communications. The Genius Award for communications in the year 2021 goes to. Oh, sorry. Who does it go to? It it goes to uh, well. I I is it called Meta officially now? It is, isn't it? Yes. Despite the fact that they shouldn't be able to, because as an article in the. Well, this says it's in the Cron, but it's from the Associated Press. Facebook launches virtual reality work app for meetings. Facebook is trying to pull in workplace users with a new virtual reality meetings app called Horizon Workrooms, presumably named for what you see out of the virtual reality window. I I know why I, this wasn't coming to mind. I, I think I purposely tried to block it out. Um, it's just very bleak and also very telling about the sort of people who run Facebook. Mark Zuckerberg has been, you know, on the short list for genius awards in the past. Um, I believe this is his first somehow. Possibly. Uh, it's, Do we have you know, a spreadsheet of this? We, we should be keeping track. We should right. be. No. I Zuckerberg, I, I do think this is his first. Be, number one, because we've number one, because we've rarely given awards to companies and efforts like this before. So a lot of a lot of Zuckerberg's real genius is in delegating, you know, it, it's in appointing the right people to produce the kind of genius that we all know a company with the resources of meta world peace can produce given, you know, given the time, given the energy, given the massive, massive amounts of underpaid labor, they can do it. And, you know, he's he's come up short a number of times. And I bet that it's been tough for him because I know he listens to have come in second in the voting to think, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. But he can finally be proud of himself here in 2021. Mark Zuckerberg finally joins the pantheon of geniuses with this award, uh, even if even if he's not personally winning it. Yeah, I think the reason he's not gotten an award before is because he's always kind of been like background evil and not comic evil. Uh, like the the type of genius that normally gets the award is going to be the one where you can see them falling down a stair, like a set of stairs. There's got to be some kind of like comedic element to their failure. Uh, and it's only with meta and in pushing everything to the virtual space of the internet um, that he's really like gone over the edge from just like rich jerk into clown. So if I'm reading you right, what you're saying is that Mark Zuckerberg hasn't gotten a Genius Award because he's not funny enough. He's finally funny this year. That's what you're saying. He's always been terrible, but we couldn't make fun of him until this year. Pretty much. I mean, there's been opportunities. Like, I remember, what was he, surfing or 
windsurfing or something like uh, yeah. that. And and the the uh, sunscreen just wouldn't work. And I mean, like, that's, yeah, that's not genius. That's good practice. <laughs> yeah, he's he's always been, you know, obviously an evil genius and and bond villain but he hasn't been a funny bond villain the the thing that's striking to me about uh meta and this push for vr that the company is undertaking is um their great vision for vr is a place in which you can strap on a headset and go to a meeting it's you're going to your office you're going to a virtual version of your office where uh the sun is always shining and it's always 9 a.m. on a Monday and you're having a meeting that could otherwise be held. I mean, even a Zoom call would be preferable to this in my view. It, it has to be, right? Yeah. yeah. This is this is Bill Lumberg from Office Space. This is his, his dream. Yeah. This I is mean, what this man would live for right now. Honestly, the only downside is how hard a lot of people seem to be going into uh vr as a thing um and that same with with nfts uh which hey hey hold on hold the horses <laughs> no i'm just saying like there's a there's a whole bunch of people out there that i would hopefully otherwise call sane who just i don't okay, understand no, i yeah i i actually understand what lou is trying to say here because made it uh on your bingo card this is what about minute 37 because in education, where I work, uh, augmented and virtual reality were being sold to us, are being sold to us right now, especially because of the pandemic. So you were supposed to do things like, uh, you know, when like Pokemon Go became a thing, mm-hmm. we were supposed to figure out ways to incorporate that. Um, we were supposed to create ways that students could, you know, like take walking tours around their neighborhoods and learn while doing it because, you know, your kid your students are going to take their uh, tablets or whatever, their phones and walk around the neighborhood and point their freaking devices at something and have it come up with a note from their teacher saying like, this is a bush. Did you know that they are a type of plant or something like it? It was the thinnest application of it possible, but it was hot and it was getting money. So it was being sold to us. And Obviously, that didn't work, so they're going to try the next most obvious grift, which is selling it to bosses. Uh, this Workrooms app costs $300, apparently. So, you know, nothing, really, for a lot of places. Apparently, you can have up to 50 people on a call, but only 16 can be in the VR space with avatars. And to have the full VR experience, you have to have a Facebook account. Mm-hmm. There, there's yeah, this, no. Ugh, Absolutely this not. is terrible. And like what has been shown of the full VR experience is something comparable to uh, like online video games from the early 2000s. It's it does not even seem like something you'd want to do. It it just seems incredibly, incredibly bare bones. And I I, I do not get who it is for, which um also helps segue neatly into our next Genius Award winning uh, entity, I guess, because we have a um, the Genius Award for what is this? Art? Art. The 2021 Genius Award for Art goes to 
non-fungible tokens, which um, I'm going to leave it to one of you two to explain what these are, what they do, how they work. Um, uh, Lou? <laughs> uh, he NFTs. says, throwing that hot potato 100 <laughs> miles an hour across the virtual space. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, NFTs, non-fungible tokens, are the dumbest thing to have happened in 2021, which is saying, saying a lot. Mm-hmm. It's been 2021. We've killed uh, 800 million people w- via plague, and this is the dumbest thing that's happened. Uh, I've added a couple of zeros there, but <laughs> you're right. I did. I'm very good at math. Um, whatever. Point is, NFTs are basically. I, I saw somebody explain them as buying a post-it note that exists in a closet somewhere that says i own this thing and the closet exists exists somewhere else but everybody else in the meantime can access the thing that you own yeah yeah i don't know if that makes sense well the other version i've seen of it i think the best explanation is that new yorker cartoon i think it is where it's um at somebody dressed like an elf explaining to Gollum that you can't actually you don't own the actual precious but you can have your name listed as its owner in uh, in basically, yeah, like a, a privatized list that's insured by the blockchain. And then there's a bunch of confusing words that they throw at you to make you think that any of this makes any sense. Um, so, Lou, even though you did cruelly spoil that this was going to be the next award, I do think you kind of touched on something that's very important. You mentioned that, you know, people that otherwise are sane, kind of this is their one blind spot. Earlier today, in preparation for this episode, you know, because I am not a genius, actually, so I have to, you know, actually do research. These things don't come fully formed out of my head. Um, I was reading about this stuff, and I was, yeah, it's unfortunate, you know, that that's disappointing. I'm just a working man, so I was looking at NFTs, and I was looking at like these tech people who are. You know, I don't really trust anybody in tech farther than I can throw them. But they were people who don't consider themselves in favor of this kind of stuff. Don't consider themselves in favor of everything being powered by cryptocurrency or the blockchain or whatever. Um, But they were saying, you know, but you need to understand the lessons that NFTs are teaching us. Like there has to be, there are some positives to this, or rather you have to be able to explain to somebody who has found positives in this why that is a bad thing and i mean i think there are two sides to that number one the you know there are like pretty large startup costs initial costs associated with non-fungible tokens um so that's already a little bit of a problem you know it's not like there's no equal access to this you know what i mean and second of all um and and we know this we know that like with everything else the way you make money with NFTs is by already having a ton of money that you can spend on them. So this is not some platform that's going to widen access to the internet marketplace for people. This is not going to be like suddenly you're some random creative number 7,026 and out of nowhere, you can make millions of dollars because the art that you produce is actually good because as we have seen, most NFTs look like wet ass. And then you've got on the other side of things, the fact that NFTs currently, because like everything else that has to do with crypto, 
are made by causing active and massive environmental damage to this planet. So you've got, like, they're just bad. And I'm sure we're going to get, like, 120,000 emails from absolute geeks defending their, you know, terrible pictures of, of monkeys or whatever it was. Yeah. Uh, and, and also possibly one by Anthony Rizzo. We'll get one in there. I, I know he listens, too. I hope we get his email. Yeah. Okay. So that's the environmental cost is really what puts NFTs into a category of evil um, beyond the comedy of, of how awful most of them look and how stupid and the right click save brigade uh, that is making a lot of NFT bros absolutely melt down online. Uh, the environmental cost is extraordinary. And that's what makes the difference between like the beanie baby, cra- beanie baby craze of the ni- 90s and 2000s versus this. Because they're basically exactly the same. You're trading something that you're saying, oh, yeah, people are going to really love this thing in, in 20 years or whatever. And then you'll be able to trade it and make money. That's how people marketed beanie babies back in the day. This is just electronic those, uh, except way uglier and way more cruel to the planet. Yeah, uh, I won't pretend to know how these things work. I I just know that it seems very stupid to uh, spend thousands of dollars on a crudely drawn portrait of an ape and to expend some of our precious atmosphere in the process of doing so seems especially stupid. But everybody's doing it now, so everybody's in on this train and uh, I'm sure it won't age poorly the way, like, 3d tvs did but uh we'll see yeah it, it's i mean i'm not defending this not at all it's just that i understand the attraction for certain kinds of artists and so on the idea that you can sell the ownership to something as separate from the object itself like i get why if that made you money because that is the only worth that we have established in society right Art can be terrible, and, and and like nobody seems to be arguing that these drawings are good, that these are good things. The original NFTs were, um, the original NFTs were supposed to be videos of sports highlights. That even though they were publicly available, the sort of progressive line on them back when you know you were allowed to be lefty and believe in NFTs wholeheartedly was that it would allow college players to own those highlights and they could sell them, right? And then that clearly became not the case because a bunch of tech scammers got involved and ruined any possibility for it being a good thing that we might ever have seen out of it. Um, and I understand why if you're an artist who is struggling to make ends meet, the idea that you might be able to make some decent amount of money doing this is very attractive. But the fact is that everything we know about this marketplace says that's not going to happen. Artists are already getting scammed out of the money that they deserve because they're the ones who made this stuff by techies and by other people who are taking advantage of the fact that they have capital going into this and they're turning it into exactly what we all expected it would be, which is a cesspool of immorality. So yeah, it needs to go. All all things considered, uh, as far as vessels of immorality go, cesspool is not the one you want. After this break, we'll be back with our final genius of this week. And uh, boy, is it, you know, deserving of the title. 
We'll be back. You're listening to Punching Out on Wayo 104.3. You can subscribe to the show or listen to past episodes on iTunes, SoundCloud, and other podcast apps. We are also on Facebook and Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Now back to the show. Welcome back to Punching Out. I'm Ryan, joined still by Noah. Brains. And Lou. Hey, guys. As listeners to the first 45 minutes of this show will know, these are the Genius Awards. The um, the baby geniuses, if you will, in anticipation of next week's main event. Um, we're talking about some of the innovators, some of the people who really, at the end of the day, make this show possible. This show couldn't happen without bosses, without bosses being galaxy-brained in one way or another. And thankfully, every year, they continue to provide us with content. They continue to bring joy to our lives, really. That, that, that's the main thing that bosses do, if I, if I had to list it out. Yeah, that's only the main thing they think they do. It it we feel that it's very important to honor these guys. These are these are your gold gloves. These are your silver sluggers. You know they didn't. The campaigns that they mounted were maybe one dimensional. Uh, maybe they had one main moment that we know them for. Maybe it wasn't a a kind of consistency. You know that you need from a genius of the year candidate, but it was enough to merit inclusion. And I think I think they should be flattered to be here to have made it this far. You know, not everyone makes it. Not everyone gets a genius award at the end of the year. And and I think this year in particular, you really had to stand out. Uh, you really had to give us the most genius baby vibes possible. Boy, does this guy fill uh, both those terms. Well, talking in this segment in our um, genius award for the category of people management, Person it's the phrase. CEO of a website called Better.com. The man's name is Vishal Garg. And uh, he made the news last week for, let's see, firing 900 employees via Zoom call, which is, you know, not the way you should fire 900 employees if you're ever in the situation where you should fire 900 employees. And really, as a listener to Punching Out, we sh- Sure, hope you're never in a situation where you're firing 900 employees. Uh, if, if you're doing that, that would reflect poorly on us. Yeah, yeah, that would reflect poorly on us. Go you away. have to really admire this guy for his uh, under the wire performance. Um, at the beginning of the year, I don't think anybody here uh, had heard of Better.com, which clearly points to lack of advertising. But uh, the yeah, he's it's all over the place now. Um, so really, stellar achievement. Uh, not quite genius of the year level, but good. It after. does uh, raise the unfortunate uh, specter of the possibility of CEOs doing weird public firings of employees as a means of generating uh, publicity for their company on uh, the any publicity is good publicity mindset. You know, what's interesting is that there isn't a fancy term for firing via Zoom yet. Because there's Zoombies, there's apparently Zumping was a thing in the UK. Oh, yeah. Somebody via Zoom. And why isn't there a cutesy term for doing this? You'd think there would be. I mean, after all, we've already agreed that CEOs are the modern day nobility. They're allowed to do whatever the heck they want. 
and get away with it. So, you know, just polywork it up, turn it into something, uh, something better. I, I think the positive thing from this story is that there has been such a backlash to this guy and his action because, like, if you had told me a few weeks ago, even that uh, somebody had fired several hundred employees of theirs via Zoom, I would have said, hmm, that's not good, but I wouldn't have expected it to inspire such a backlash, such a, uh, the response that it has, which now uh, has included the CEO in question taking a leave of absence. I can't say what I was originally going to say because the FCC will find us. <laughs> there were several other uh, resignations in their leadership. Like apparently the director of communications resigned. Uh, of course, the Deserved. the one guy who actually did the uh, firings, just a leave of absence at this point. But that what, what else do we expect? I mean, that's just how the cookie crumbles. You get this one genius that... Um, and I think that might be like a secondary qualification for, for being a genius is you have to be um, somehow insulated by and large from your boneheaded actions. Uh, I, you know, it's obviously not the main qualifier, but I think it's among among our greatest ones um, because Adam Newman, famously our first genius of the year, um, he got a $1 billion golden parachute to leave his company, um, which I feel is really failing upwards. He Well, it, what you're saying is that to be truly genius, to reach the heights that get you the Genius Award, you really have to be freed from all responsibility and all fault. And after all, being a CEO means never having to say you're sorry. I'm I'm reminded of, you know, ancient Greece where, uh, you know, obviously they had an underclass of laborers and slaves to do all the menial tasks so that the higher ranks in society were free to do philosophy and think about the big problems in life. And now we have CEOs in that position. They don't have to do the work. They're free to express their genius in whatever way they choose. And the way this guy chose is firing 900 employees via Zoom. But if that were all he did, we probably won't be spending this much time on his case. We, uh, we should I, be real clear. We've already spent more time than he did on the Zoom call. Because as this CNN article says, uh, this is called a surreal moment from December 8th. He, apparently, this webinar lasted three minutes and we're seven minutes into the segment. And he said, if you're on this call, you are part of the unlucky group that is being laid off. Uh, your employment here is terminated effective immediately. The call ended abruptly, leaving the underwriter who's being interviewed dumbfounded. Chapman, who is the sole provider for his family of seven, was used to outbursts from his boss, but this was unexpected. He had promised a follow-up email from Human Resources, Garg had, but then their access to email was cut off, so they couldn't get that either. Whoa. As this article in Inc.com, I-N-C, uh, puts it, uh, this isn't the first time that Garg has shown a lack of people management skills. Last year, Forbes obtained an email from Garg to employees that said, you are too damn slow. You are a bunch of dumb dolphins, and dumb dolphins get caught in nets and eaten by sharks. So stop it. Stop it. Stop it right now. You are embarrassing me. Um, much of that is in all caps. Dumb dolphins? 
get caught in nets, and And eaten by sharks. These are presumably two different sets of dumb dolphins, one presumes. Because if you get caught in nets, you usually get hauled up. You're you're probably safe from the sharks at that point. But, you know, know, neither of those are good fates if you're a dolphin. Yeah. No. Um, and if you're a dumb dolphin, a genius dolphin would just easily break the net. This Inc. article goes on to mention that previously, Garg had threatened to set a former business partner on fire and engaged in hostile exchanges with investors, calling one sewage and demanding he divest from the company. Okay, but that last part is cool, though. <laughs> like, more, more people who invest in companies should be called sewage. Yeah, that's that's a unique behavior. I don't think I've ever uh, seen a CEO in the wild be that actively hostile to its investors. I, I'm struck by the tone of this uh, Inc. article. Um, I, we were discussing this off air beforehand, and I, I compared Inc. to Forbes because it has that sort of outlook in how it writes its articles. And it, all it can muster like to, you know, decry this guy is that it's clear that he does not have very good people management skills. He has a people management problem. Yeah, no kidding. Again, great late stage work. The only thing, again, is just the lack of consistency throughout the year. Just just too under the radar, I would say. But uh, once again, congratulations to this guy. He truly has earned a genius award and the acknowledgement of a small radio show from Rochester, New York. What more can we give him? He's welcome to join a zoom call and we'll, we'll, you know, provide some measure of, of personal acknowledgement. By the way, wasn't this the guy who said something like the last time he had to, is he cried, but that this time he would be stronger. Yes. That that's the mark of a real genius. That's growth. That's strength. Improvement. Yeah. Oh, boy. We've run out of time on this, our uh, technical awards format for the Genius Awards. Um, We'll be back next week with the big boys, the geniuses of the year. And I know you, you, our listeners, will not want to miss that show. So please be here. Please be listening. We do appreciate it. For this week, I'm Ryan. I'm Lou. I was Noah. And this was the Punching Out Genius Awards. You've been listening to Punching Out. You can find us on Facebook and on Twitter at Punching Out Wayo. Email us your work stories, complaints, and struggles to punchingoutwayo at gmail.com. Punching Out is a project of the Punching Out Collective. Our producer is Ryan Brister. Music for Punching Out is provided by Ariel Cruz. Tune in next week for more Punching Out. And remember, your boss isn't listening, but we are.